Listen to ordinary people who lead extraordinary lives. Their leadership style is forever impressed in the hearts and minds of people, be it in their professions, personal life, and or in communities by being an example of greatness. Be inspired by these personal stories and prepare to be both moved and motivated as serial entrepreneur Maurice Manley II interviews present and future icons. Challenge yourself to recognize the leader that lives within so that you may continue to grow and experience amazing things in life. We are all capable of leadership. Take charge and lead up. This is episode number 89, Value Created for Success. In this fast-paced society, along with social media, mental health is of the utmost importance. This is why we sought out mental health expert Courtney Thomas, CEO and founder of Pathfinder Psychological Services. He shares with us his view on happiness, the components of mental health, and how to maintain healthy thoughts and much more. Listen as we unpack the complexities of the mind and external influences. Without further ado, Courtney Thomas. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Up. Joining me today is my good friend, mental health uh, extraordinaire, yeah, he has a company called Pathfinder Psychological Services. Um, he's currently based up north in Oakland. You were in Atlanta and you established your company there. I don't know if you I, last we talked, you had you still had an office there. You were kind of you had this dual uh, residence in terms of your office. I don't know if that's still happening, but we'll get into that. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you Courtney Thomas. How you doing today, my brother? Good, good, good. Very good, very good. Thank you for thank you for having me on. And I, I will not hold it against you that I've known you this long and you've never had me on your show. <laughs> but I'm glad to be on right now. I'm glad I made the cut eventually. You, so you, you, I, I, I am honored. <laughs> you always made the cut, man. I just had to <laughs> I had to step my game up for you. Get all get everything together and make sure that you you know I present you in a proper light. That's yeah. all that is. So look psychological services and mental health is such a critical and key component in our um, lives and, and, and moreover in our communities, you know, as uh, people of color. And I think a lot of our current issues or challenges, whether it's with uh, law or whether it's with um, our economical uh disadvantages, if you will, and our family structure, a lot of it is tied to our mental health. Would, would that be an accurate statement? 100%. You hit the nail on the head. Uh, I am a licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Courtney Thomas. For, for that very reason, I'm from the South Side of Chicago. Uh, well, they get down how they get down. And I wanted to make a difference. And I, and I look around and you're like, hmm, like they just gave us money. Would things be different? Yeah. Right. If if we just had this, would things be different? And you look around and be like, now nah, this is this is bigger than just our forty acres and a mule. Though we need that too. Yes. This this is uh, decade uh, uh, centuries of trauma mm -hmm. right inflicted upon our people and us trying to navigate the racism and mental illness of other people. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. So I want to back up a little bit with you um, specifically. What was the moment when you realized you were going to have a career in mental health? Uh, the honest answer is probably because intro to advertising was too early, my sophomore year of college. And I was like, man, I need to switch majors. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but beyond that, I think I've always been interested in the, in the why, in the what's going on. Mm. you know, behind the scenes, like what, what, uh, what are the behaviors? What are the emotions that contribute to what I'm seeing? There's gotta be more than what we're looking at. Mm -hmm. And I've always felt like, um, I don't know, you gotta understand it before you can make it better. And so I think it's just been, um, it, it hasn't been a, a hobby or a passing fad. It's been a, 
a life's dedication towards trying to make sense of what's going on with our people yeah. and, and mental health. Would you say the maybe the catalyst, because I remember when you were living here in L.A., and this is before, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is before you you um, had finished school and got the degree. You were working in, uh, what was it, social services or, mm-hmm. of some sort and used to uh, accompany police officers. To, am I saying that right? I, what was that title? Uh, um, now when I, when I, so when I was in, uh, I was in Los Angeles, maybe 10 years ago, worked for the department of mental health, LA County. Um, and I did a few different things, but I, I mostly there, I was doing like, uh, specialized foster care. So I was doing like, doing like in home with like adolescents. My, my, my big thing, what really made me see this is important is that I see too many, uh, young African-American men and boys who people are afraid of, yeah. right? Who people are like, oh my God, they're scary and they're yelling and they're criminals. And that that hurt my heart because I, I knew there was more behind that. And to be honest, that's that's probably the biggest thing, seeing people be afraid of these, they look like kids to me, right? right? Uh, be afraid of them and let's just put them in jail or let's just, let's put them off somewhere, yes. right? And I, think that, and I was like, nah, man, there's, there's gotta be something better, right? There, we've gotta be able to look through a cultural lens and look at what's going on with these people. And I think, for me, that was like the, like it's, I don't mean to be arrogant, but there's one thing to get a degree in psychology, but I became a doctor for that reason. Yeah. Right? I became a licensed psychologist because I didn't want nobody to tell me that they knew something different about young black men and boys that I didn't know. I wanted every piece of information mm-hmm. so I could sit at the table and be like, nah, man, our whole paradigm is off. Yeah. Like the, the, these, these Mental health bill was based off treating white women in Germany, you know what I'm saying, 300 mm. years ago, 200 years ago, right? That none of this was developed for our people. Right. And so it's a, it was a huge gap that I continue to see every day that just built up a fire and a frustration and didn't allow me to sit still in yeah. a way that I could be comfortable. I, I specifically remember a few conversations after you um going out on, on rides or certain jobs, going into certain homes, talking to these kids. And I think even at times you went up to their schools and mm-hmm. used to come back and tell me the various experiences that you had with these kids, conversations and noticing their surroundings, noticing their, their home life and, and then looking at the schools that they were going to and how they were being taught or talked to you had such a, it was like a, a, a pain point for you at that yep, time yep, before you yep. got into it, because you couldn't understand exactly what you just said, what you just articulated, which was how is the perception of these kids and their little kids being created as these monsters, but yet they're creating the monster, if you will, based mm-hmm. on the environment and the circumstances that they're put into and how they are communicating to them is not as such versus just recognizing that, hey, we are boys of color are just that we learn different and our behavior is based not upon our color, but is based upon just our perception of life and is based upon our life circumstances in our environment. And if, if there was just a little bit more time taken and giving in to these children, the circumstances would be completely different. And that was, um, I don't know. I just remember like it was really, really bothered you a lot. I mean, it bothered me too, but I think you being in it, it just resonated differently. And I, and I can feel the frustration in you. And, and I remember you telling me that you just needed to, make a difference or make some type of impact, if you will. And I don't know if that moment or those moments were the defining moments for you to say, you know what, I'm going to go get the degree and and, and actually do this thing of uh, psychology and mental therapy, or if that was already present in you and, and you taking that job was just a step to in that direction. I mean, I, I- I mean, again, I think there was an interest in how p- 
people operate mm-hmm. at a basic level, right? But I, I don't feel like I had a choice. I don't feel like I was like, oh, I want to be a leader or I want to like do this great mm. thing. I felt pain. Yeah. But I feel like there are people that are cultural voyeurs or allies that can kind of come in and be like, oh, I want to I want to help out and help my little Negro children. <laughs> I'm from 85th and Phillips, Terrortown, Bucket of Blood, Southside Chicago is what they call it. Right. Yeah. And again, I ain't saying I'm no tough guy, but I'm saying that's all I saw was my people in pain. Right. right? All I saw was my people ain't hurt and hurting each other, mm. being hurt and hurting each other. And it didn't feel like an option. It didn't feel like I could just watch it. So I had to do everything in my power and get every piece of information and push myself so that I could be in a position to help the people that I saw and identified as just like me. Right. Was there was there or is there anything you're learning about yourself while pursuing this career? I mean, of, of course, I mean, again, I in in my field is mental health. I mean, I'm not an expert. Like I get to grow. Mm-hmm. I get to learn every day about people. I study humans and people. So every interaction is fascinating to me, mm-hmm. good or bad. I am constantly learning. It is not like, well, I'm Dr. Thomas, so I, I know this stuff. No, I meet people, I learn. I learn from my clients how to deal with pain, how to deal with hurt, how to help other people. Right at this point in my career, and, I, and I'm imagining your podcast might get there, like I'm at a place where I want to help other people, other clinicians help people. Yes. Right? Like I know what I can do. You put me in a room with a little black boy or anybody, truthfully, I don't yeah. be arrogant, right? You put me in a room with a person, I can... I can impact change in that hour, mm. but I want to be able to systemically create change. I want to help other clinicians do better. I want to help recruit clinicians of color, right? So that we see people that look like us, that can talk like us, but also have the knowledge mental health wise to actually make an impact. Yes, 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 yes. What are the components of mental health? Um, I mean, I think it's like anything else, but your, your, your mental health is just how healthy are your thoughts, uh, feelings and behaviors. Hmm. Right? If, I, if I put in those three categories, right. And when I say healthy, um, um, meaning am I able, are they all in line, right? Are the things that I'm thinking, the things where that I'm behaving and the ways that I'm feeling all congruent, or am I doing things and feeling bad about it? Or am I doing things that I wish I wasn't doing and, and, and trying to figure it out, right? When I'm conflicted, right, I'm not healthy. When I'm uh, emotionally off track, I'm not healthy. When my behaviors are not suiting me to the best, I'm off track, right? When my thoughts are troubling me, I'm not healthy. And it's not like, um, it's not like crazy, not crazy. It's a continuum. We all, you know, people talk about bipolar, schizophrenia. We all have components of that, but if you don't take control of it or attend to it, that stuff goes further towards unhealthy, right? It's not like people are fat or skinny. There is a whole range of health, right? And mental health is the exact same way. And I think we just go, oh, that person crazy. Oh, they homeless, so they must be mentally ill. It is high-functioning people struggling with mental health. How 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 can we track that as 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 it progresses, you know, so you mentioned like, you know, people are not just fat or skinny, but I, I feel like in that analogy, there's a way to see your, the, the progression of going from being thin to now my clothes don't fit the same (laughs) to now when I get in the shower, the bathtub, I'm seeing my stomach stick out a little bit more. Right. So you can see the change or, or conversely the opposite. If you're already on the heavier side of the spectrum and you start working out, you can see yourself begin to shrink mental health and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems like there's no way to, to measure or determine the quality of, of the thoughts that are because our brains are constantly not like day in day out. They're just on, they're working and they're, they're churning out thoughts at a high rate. Right. And there are certain impressions that are happening in the world or in society that are giving us stimuli and feedback and information. And, you know, it's a lot. It's the, there are these big computers 
or small computers, if you will, that are inside of us that are constantly just. And so how do we measure this activity on an ongoing basis to know that, oh, I'm going in a, in a bad place or in the wrong direction. I need to reel this back in. Well, I think the, the simple answer, right? The textbook answer would be, uh, let me teach you this like in Psych 101. Um, when your mental health begins to negatively impact your functioning across multiple domains, right? So that means when my mental health begins to affect, affect my ability to have relationships mm-hmm. with, like with loved ones, with family, uh, with romantic partners, with my job, right, in my social life, in my professional life, when it begin, when multiple areas of my life begin to show deficits in functioning, right, it it suggests something's going on, right? Because otherwise, you can have mental health stuff, but when your mental health stuff impacts your ability to have family, to, to be successful at work, to go to school, right, and the difficult part is that we don't own it. Mm. Right. We'll be like, oh, they was tripping over there. Or, this teacher didn't like me. Or like we can we can externally attribute it to some other thing. Right. Rather than being like, man, because one thing could be you could have a wife that's tripping. It's very possible that your <laughs> wife is just bugging. Right. And you right. And it ain't on you. Right. But when your wife is bugging, your friends are bugging, your mama's bugging, and you know what I'm saying? Your Every, job everybody's is everybody's bugging. bugging. Right. You you kind of have to look at yourself and be like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm the I'm the central theme across all these different domains. Right. And that's that's the hard part, right? I think particularly if you let me ramble for black folk, uh we we be just trying to make it. Mm-hmm. Like we don't we be so busy just trying to get our head above water, we don't have time to stop and think, wait, am I okay? Am I swimming all right? Mm-hmm. Am I out of breath? Mm-hmm. Do I need a life preserver? You know what I'm saying? Where is land? We just be and psychology stop requires taking a second and really assessing what's going on with you yes. and how that impacts your ability to be great. And again, that's a that's a bit of a luxury that I, I, I don't think we culturally value and don't always have the time to invest in. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that, mentioned that because as you were talking, I was thinking that like how taking that time, that breath to 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 assess and ascertain all of the different events that have been happening in our lives and or circumstances to say, you know what? Yeah, my wife was tripping, but what was my part? Oh yeah, I did get fired. What did I do? Or yeah, I'm not in communication with my kids. Why? How did I damage that? Or all my friends just disappeared over a period of 10 years. Like what? (laughs) We just move and don't even think about us and is is there some type of or some sort of method that we can employ to have a greater self-awareness yes but, <laughs> but I, I don't know i don't don't give me all cynical i think uh ignorance is bliss sometimes i think there is simplicity in not processing that stuff mm. right and, there is a, there is a comfort in thinking it's not you. Yeah. Right. Because, <laughs> so I, I tend to think, and I, and I use, I say this in business or actually just in life in general, that we don't want to be responsible and accountable and nor do we want to really roll our sleeves up and do that, that the heavy lifting because it is work. Right. And, and, and it's a lot of this inner work is very painful. I might add. And I think because the pain and the fear that's associated with that pain, it's like, ooh, nah, you know what? Let me just blame Courtney for the reason why I didn't get this job instead of looking at me because now I have to go back into my childhood and look at all of the pain and trauma that that has been present that I've been carrying forward. And sometimes I just want to shake people. (laughs) Say, hey, this is you. These are your issues. This is not the world. But I don't know. It's, and, it's, and again, I don't, I don't often I find culturally, and this is if I don't say nothing else, I hope I hope your listeners hear this. Culturally, I found 
that we as a people, I mean, a lot of people, but definitely black folk, we have totally got it twisted on what it means to be strong. Yeah. Right? To, because it means to be strong means to put my head down, not think about how I feel, not think about what role I play, and just press through. Let me just let me just push harder. Let me keep this to myself. Yeah. Let me not emote. Let me not cry. Let me not. I don't talk to people. That's not. That's not. I don't. You know. I don't. You know. I keep to myself. That's how I get down. I go to church. I ain't dismiss none of them things. But I. I think we've got to have a better understanding of what it means to be strong. Yeah. Right. But every time strength is facing your feelings and fears and doubts and insecurity. That ain't, it ain't mm. nothing more courageous than that. Yeah. It ain't nothing on this earth scarier than looking at your own crap and being like, yeah. I see what I did there. Yeah. Right. Personally, I, I would much rather be like, oh, it's something I could do. I would much rather be like, it's something I can, oh, okay, I, my frustration tolerance is too low. Yeah. I, I get a little bit and that's because I'm holding on to this stress. If I can manage that stress, my frustration tolerance would be better. I could engage with people in a better way. Yeah. Right. Like, like I'd rather I be the variable I get to tweak rather than hoping that Maurice kind of gets to understand how he should value me more and, you know, right. come on his show sooner. Yeah. It's more empowering and, and it gives you, um, gives you choice versus a decision, right? Because you don't have to, like, you can actually create the opportunity with the choice to say, hey, you know what? I can change and make a difference and change and impact um, in the world and, and create a better life for myself. So, and, and so on that note, how do you think we should begin to perceive or view or define happiness? Uh, you, <laughs> I, I think emotional states come and go and happiness is an emotional state that is useful right but i don't think necessarily it is the end goal like to be happy all the time is like mania it's you know like, like like mania yeah we're, we're, if i'm just happy all the time that's just weird as being sad all the time it's it's equally as healthy means i should be able to comfortably go through a full range of emotions and not get stuck anywhere that I, mm. i'm happy and not, I need to deal with my emotions. I should be able to bring it down and sit in the emotion. And if it gets too heavy, I should be able to bring it back up and be like, okay, I feel better. It is self-mastery. It's having some control uh, over your emotion rather than like being elated all the time. Yes. Yeah. I, I pay a million dollars for peace of mind. Right. Peace of mind to navigate this world is what I strive for rather than like, a state, a temporary state of happiness, which is cool. I'm against being happy, but it's not the end game, in my opinion. And maybe, maybe that's where we're getting it wrong because we hear about this positive thinking and just always being in the space of peace and calm and bliss. When the reality is, that's not life, right? Nor do I think that if we function in that state all day, every day, I don't think that is interesting either because we need variety and we need uncertainty. And so I, I think those down moments or those, those, those uh, moments of uh, tension create opportunity. They create um, the, the ability to grow but I think perception plays a part into that. Like, so we have to be able to kind of ascertain the opportunity within the, the, the complexity of the problem. And that's a whole nother. And I, yep. and I, and I know you got tools for that, but <laughs> <laughs> if we were able to maintain high levels of, of uh, dopamine, would our mental state be more stable? You think? Would our mental state be more stable? Yes. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not sure you can maintain high levels of dopamine. I mean, I, it's uh, again, it's episodic. Like their life, their ups. You can maintain high levels of dopamine chemically, right? Right, right. And, and that's, that's, and that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, right. I can just keep your up here. Right. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that you navigate the world in a more skillful manner. 
right? Mm. It doesn't mean that the way that you approach problems won't contribute to a buildup of other crap happening, okay? Right L- later on. So it's it's useful, but it's not the end game. I think, mm. right? To a, to a, a stable life, having a balanced life, being having people that care about you, speaking to what your needs are, having a good support system. Like those things help you keep a stable life because because stable life don't mean I am chemically in a restraint where I just stay up here. A stable life means I can fall down and get back up. It's it's not a constant state of here. It is, okay, for the most part, I have balance, but if I fall, I, I can get back up because I'm going to fall. There are going to be ditches and there are going to be ups and downs inevitably. I, I don't think we can work around them. So the it sounds like what you're saying is the chemical component of the uh, our physiology or anatomy of the body does not play into our our emotional state or our feelings, if you will. I'm saying it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It okay. plays into it. Yeah, you're, you're correct. There's a factor. I don't think it is enough to alone create a stable life. I still think uh, your habits, how you express yourself, I still think behaviorally, right? I, again, I'm defining mental health as your thoughts, feelings, and actions, mm. right? Okay. And dopamine can control your feelings. It, it doesn't, and it may have an impact on your, maybe your thoughts and behaviors, but it's more your feeling. It's more, I feel good. I, you know, like, it feels like that. What you do with that, Kanye West feels good as hell. Yeah, it's true. What's he doing with it? Kanye West be like, skied up, like, man, all right, I'm going to be the president. And people go, like, I'm not sure that that yeah. suggests that he's yeah. uh, functioning well across all domains. Okay. So it, it, it can alter or have an impact on your state of being. But the action part uh, or, or the verbal part, which you say or what you do within that state, it still has to come from somewhere else. Yep. Accurate. Yes. yes. Okay. It all goes. It all goes together. Not minimizing that, but it all goes together. Uh-huh. There is no simple fix. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. What What's yeah. the time in your life where you were surprised with your mental fortitude? Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't get all. <laughs> depressing here but I, i'd probably say now like i i uh i think over the last uh year i've lost my grandfather mother and grandmother a few weeks ago mm. right um and i it's not easy and again i'm not about to fall apart here but it's not an easy thing but i thank god that i have the tools you know what i'm saying to understand yeah. right pain and hurt and not be afraid of it. Yeah. But I think if I was if I was too like, no, no, I gotta be fine about this, I don't think I would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think the imagining these losses, I couldn't even conceive of that. But yeah. having been through them, I feel like I've survived them. Right. But that's because I feel like I've tried to be self-aware. Right. I haven't just been like, let me just be happy. Let me just smile and go to work and just be awesome. Cause Sometimes I feel that way, but sometimes I don't. Yeah. And so it, again, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I am a huge fan of champion championing uh, fluidity. Hmm. Being able to feel your emotions and not get stuck in them. Yes. And I think that's probably what has uh, helped me or surprised me because you figure, oh my God, that's earth shattering. And yet somehow the world keeps spinning and I continue to move forward and try to help myself and other people. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Are there any tips on overcoming or any recommendations that you would suggest for people who, like you mentioned earlier, having negative thoughts or voices? Like how how can we detect and 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 move past or beyond those thoughts or voices or impressions in our mind? Owning it and addressing it. When you say owning it, what do you mean? I mean, understanding what you contribute to your situation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I think step, because the, the end game, I would say 
again, my always like the simple answer is go to therapy. Right. Yeah. Like you right, you need to go talk. The tip would be go talk to somebody. Right. But I guess first I would have to own I have some agency in making my world better. Right. Mm-hmm. I am doing some things, right, that probably need to be tweaked, even if it's how I respond to craziness around me. Yeah. And I ain't saying I'm broken, right? Right. But like it is it is owning, okay, I got some stuff and I've got to be able to work on it. Yes. I think I think I think that's step one. I mean, I think um what what I know for certain is I'm telling you like our brains try to protect ourselves from ourselves, right? They mm-hmm. right. You just would try to be okay and push through. It it is the process of at the very least, um sharing your experiences. Yeah. I think when we go through tough times, people tend to kind of go off to ourselves and we become more restrictive with our feelings. Right. Right. right? As opposed to, hey, I'm not okay. I ain't falling apart, but I ain't okay. <laughs> I need to share this. Yeah. So that m- maybe it's the simplest way I would say share it. People be like, you know, I don't talk to people and you know, I keep to myself because people be and okay. You, if you don't have that, you need to create that. Yeah. If you don't have people around you, you feel like you can tell I'm going through something. I am not okay. I am sad. You don't have good friends. Mm. You, you need to do you need to build up your support system. If we can only talk about getting ladies and the Lakers and other stuff like that, then you do not have the support system you need to be successful. Yeah. You you mentioned uh, a little while ago that you you were you're grateful that you have the. Um, the necessary tools to to kind of overcome and not losing it. What if there are three major tools that someone can use or employ to prevent themselves from like losing it in, in various moments, what would those three tools be? Uh, let's see. Three, or, 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 or practices or practices. Or what? Practice. Practice. Yeah. You want like tangible things people could do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm stealing this from somebody else, but uh, <laughs> w- one thing is controlling your mind. Uh, re- relax, be still. The mind will settle. Right. So, like number one, if you don't do nothing else, learn how to calm yourself down. Mm. Learn how to control your breathing and calm down the rate at which your brain is moving. Hmm. Right? Like whatever you think you need to do in this situation, I need to curse this out, I need to snap, I need to walk away, I need to let a person know, calm your brain down first. Yeah. First and foremost, no one makes their best decisions when they are amped up. No one, I don't care how smart you think you are, how gifted you think you are, no one. So, so like step one should always be that. Yes. Like let me, and, and breathing is a thing, controlling your breathing, the rate at which your heart is, is rating, right? That's what the medication does, right? If you can, like, wait a minute, I'm bugging. I'm about to snap today, hmm. right? It's like hitting the reset button on your computer. Like, you literally won't be able to ramp up quick as quickly again if you can shut, boot down the system. Right. Right, so I, I am a huge proponent of controlling your breathing and controlling your arousal state. Okay. Right. Uh, so if that's one thing, uh, second, talk to somebody, right? Open your mouth and speak what you are feeling, right? Um, it, it, it is that it is an uncomfortable feeling that exists inside of us that don't have words until I put words to it. Mm. Right. It it isn't it isn't until it's just like this hurts. Yeah. Or I just I don't feel good. Or some I don't even know, but I don't even want to look at it. I don't even got time. I gotta go to work. I got these kids, I gotta make this money, I ain't got time. Right. And it isn't until you sit down with someone and be like, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm jealous. Right. Or I'm frustrated, or I'm I'm disappointed. I'm my feelings are hurt. That right. those that doesn't pop up automatically. It requires using your language mm-hmm. to figure out what that is and get it off your chest. Okay. Right. Uh, so that, so that I would say, so what are we saying? Uh, sh- speaking, calming your mind, 
right? And these yeah. tools, what? These tools not to go crazy? What's the, what's the, I forgot what we were, what are we working <laughs> just, on? Just, yeah, not going crazy, not losing it. Like in, the, in, in the moment. Because I, I think that's what tends to happen, especially to, you know, our people. I think when when we're in the midst of, of a conflict or a situation, we just, boom, we go, right? And, and then that one decision or action creates a ripple effect. And in the moment, we don't necessarily focus on what we're doing or what we're not doing or what we're saying. We just react to the situation. And then once the situation is over and we replay it or we rediscuss it, that's, I think that's how we end up blaming. Well, they did this and they said that not realizing how we responded to what they did or what they didn't do real time. And then we end up saying, well, yeah, they was tripping or they was crazy. But really, they may have been tripping, but the way you handled it was, was just, you know, you could have did it this way and it would have made, it would have changed the outcome of the situation. So so maybe I would say, and this is a concept, but maybe the behavior, right? The, the concept I would say is empathy, mm. right? I, I am so glad I get to sit across people all day long and try to understand what they're going through. Mm. Right? And have the luxury of, I ain't got a point to get off. I ain't trying to convince you like nothing. I'm just trying to understand. Yes. And that is invaluable in real life, right? Because we'll be trying to get off what we want to say. I'll be trying to explain to you how you're wrong, how you hurt me, how you need to understand how I feel about this. Because what I feel is more important than what you feel probably, I think, in that moment, mm-hmm. right? It, it is that empathy. In, a per, in an interpersonal interaction, it is knowing how to listen, mm. by knowing how to shut up and go, ah, oh, uh-huh, okay, I hear that. No, no, that makes sense. Yeah, right. But we'd be like, well, but, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me tell you this though. I think you're saying, but let me say this. No. <laughs> right, right. You're gonna frustrate yourself. You're gonna frustrate that person, and you're gonna get, you're gonna get your not because they deserve you to shut up. You're gonna frustrate yourself behaving that way. Right. So if you if you can learn in any moment, stop talking and try to understand, seek, seek more to understand than to convince a person. Mm-hmm. Of whatever you think they should be convinced of. Right. <laughs> right. And you're probably wrong anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> Very true. From a mental health point of view, how important is it for people to lead themselves versus being led by someone else? That's a difficult one, too. Uh, it's, it, uh, it pains me to say, you know, I've been in this field 20 years and I have always tried to get black men in office. Right. I just and again, I love all people of all races, colors, creeds, genders, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, mm-hmm. identify yourself. But it is a particular passion of mine to help black men in their mental health. Yeah. And I see black men. Court system. Yeah. Right. They mamas. And a woman. Mm. Like nine times out of ten, that's how I see black men because someone led them. Because someone was like, "Are you okay? Mm. What's going on with you?" Right? Like it's, it is a shame that. And again, I, I'm glad. It, I'm glad anything can get you into the therapy office. Yeah. Right. But often it is. Um, it is a push from someone else. Right. And but when those folks get there, I'll be like, "So why are you here? Are you here because someone else think you tripping, or because you want to work on something that you see?" Every person, every dude to get in my office, I'd be like, okay, who who asked you to go get some help? Yeah. Or and and if they did, are you here because they said you were tripping, or because you led yourself here? Because you looked at your own stuff and thought, huh, I gotta do better. There are some places where I, I gotta be healthier, right? And so that that is the distinction, right? Uh, the the clients that I see that do best are clients. Now I seem to get more clients like in tech because I'm in the Bay Area, right? Yeah. Clients who just kind of want to process what they're going through. You, you get a much better response when you can lead yourself and go, you know what? I just want to grow. I'm not like falling apart. I'm not, it's not like, oh God, my foot about to fall off. So I'm going to go check this diabetes. No, I just <laughs> recognize I should probably get healthier and lead myself to a better place. Yeah. You get a better prognosis. 
Right. I mean, I'll take you anywhere you want to come in. I'll take you. Your mama got you there. You, you know, you can't stop crying or you just want to grow. But it does work better when you can lead yourself to that place and own being there. Yeah, I, I, I figured that. I didn't want to assume that. But I think it's the same across the board, just in life in general, when it, it's so much more fulfilling and, reward, and rewarding, I think, when I'm able to, going back to making the choice, when I'm able to choose that, you know what, hey, I want this for my life, or I want to ad- advance my career in this way, or I want to improve my mental mind state like this versus someone telling me, hey, Mo, man, you know, you're kind of crazy. You need to go see somebody. And it's like, yo, wait, huh? Who are you? <laughs> Number one, to tell me that. And two, now I get in, there's that pushback or that denial, I think. But I also feel like, at least I'll speak for myself, that I have a heightened level of self-awareness that I don't see other uh, men of color have. Not saying that all men of color don't, but there's there are far few in between. I'm sure you recognize that as well. And it, it's it's painful for me as well. You know, being in a barbershop, I'm seeing men, and you and I talked about trying to do an initiative way back when to, you know, to um, kind of poke at and, and inspect the mental health of, of men, but it's a huge problem. It's so, so huge. And I don't I know. Saw Let me cut you off. I saw a meme that offended me and I was like, damn, it's right. And it says something like, I'm not going to say it right, but it says something like black men overcome trauma by trying to get rich. Mm. And I was like, damn, that's real as hell. Mm. Right? Like, we were like, if I just get this money, if I just, you know, if I just come up, then, then I'll be happy. Yeah. I, focus all my efforts on making money or acting like a man, right? Whatever that means, yeah. right? Then my sadness, my pain, my hurt, all that, we believe that'll go away. It's a, it's mis, it's miseducation. It's, it's a myth. It's mythology yeah. that if I just get this paper, if I just grind right now and get this paper, then my trauma, my childhood sexual abuse, my being hurt by women, my being disappointed by my own failures, Mm. Right. Oh, that'll be that'll go away because I had this paper. Yeah. We and it's not true. And it's a it's a paradigm shift. We've got to increase the value of our mental health rather than the value of like a dollar. Yeah, I agree. Because I think once we inc- do what you just said, increase the value of our mental health, then the dollar comes. It's so much easier, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Even though I feel like my mental health is in a still trying to get the dollar to come more. <laughs> get your paper. I am not saying get your paper, but getting your paper does not stop your trauma. Correct. Correct. We see all types of football players, rappers, athletes. We see our rich black people. That's the black, the, 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 the hoopers, the ballers, right? We see that. They're not necessarily happier. They got yeah. paper and have different kinds of problems. Hmm. Right? Their trauma don't go away because they can dunk and by Lamborghinis. That's true. Right? Very Though true. I would like to be have trauma and money. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if I gotta have both, <laughs> you know, the money too. But it's just it's we're so singularly focused in I let me grind, let me get this paper, yeah, and then I'll worry about how I treat my girlfriend. Let me get this paper and then I'll worry about being a good father, you know what I'm saying, or being part of my community after I get this money. Right. Kind of thing. And we be start chasing that forever. I yeah. don't know when you get enough money. I don't know what that looks like. Right. Maybe you you got more money than me, but that's not a thing I'm familiar with. <laughs> that might be another thing we need to work on is our definitions. Like yeah. just defining what's enough, what happiness is, what is success, education, yeah. like all of these um, terms and words that we use. The reality is even calling ourselves black, I'm kind of going on, going on a tangent here, but all of, the, all of these labels and, and terms, they're not our own. And so I think there is a large part of uh, trauma or mental health instability that is encapsulated in these labels 
because they're not labels that we gave ourselves. And so with these labels, we're constantly trying to define who we are against or with or in tandem with the label. So I'm a black man. Well, what is a black man? Well, black men don't even exist. So now right. we're, we're, we're forced to make up what that means and what that looks like. We're supposed to be cool. We're supposed to have swag. We're supposed to do this and athleticism. We're supposed to get the chicks and blah, blah, blah. And so now when we don't fit into that as a black man, quote unquote, and this is how a black man is supposed to be. Oh, we got a conflict now because now we get into, well, you're not black enough. And then there's judgment and then there's the ridicule. And then there's the, when you look at yourself, you got the low self-esteem or, you know, success means that I should have the money and I should have all of the women and I should have a nice car in the house. And now I don't have that. That means I'm not successful. So then you get into like, so all of these things I'm seeing and I'm like, wow, if we can just redefine and strip down these labels and, and these ideologies of what these labels mean. Maybe we can get in a better space mentally and internally. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You know, it makes me, I think of the people use the term toxic masculinity, yep. right? And they, they use it as a sort of like these dudes be tripping, right? The, the way it's often referenced is men be tripping. This is toxic masculinity, mm -hmm. right? What we need to understand is the origins of toxic masculinity. We can we can point fingers at the outcome. It is problematic. I'm not minimizing it, but it's got work to do. But the origins of that are these labels, are these expectations, right? Of that we need to carry ourselves a certain way. Like going to school, you can't be like no book bookworm dude going growing up in Chicago or LA and some of these places, right? Right. Like to be strong, to be confident, to be competent when you don't feel that way, but you need to present that, otherwise you're gonna be seen as weak or yeah. some other thing, right? It, it is, we are, uh, oh, I cannot be quote unquote, I don't be getting it right, but but uh, someone I really value their opinion said to me, like when someone says be a man, right, to you, to a man, it means I want you to fit some paradigm of masculinity that I have in my head. Mm -hmm. I want you to fit some ideal of what it means. And we're like, oh, Okay, well, let me figure that out. Right, right, and it, these these pressures about that I'm this or I'm this label or I'm that thing, it is, it just creates a system where you just try to tough it out. It yeah. is just a system where you just try to portray strength, right, without humility, without vulnerability, right. We we just, and yeah. it's, I don't, we've got to we've got to be very careful about these labels and how we describe people and put people in boxes. Because it it isn't healthy. It's going to contribute to our our mental unhappiness and sustainability. Yeah, it was just yep. yeah. I, I think that is a huge problem that no one is talking about. Like I haven't even, and I haven't read all of the mental health or therapists or psychological books, but I've read a few. I don't see it in there. I don't see any um speakers like that, you know, people that have these conventions and stuff and they talk about mental health. It's, they don't talk about the labeling. I, no one discusses this. And I'm looking around and I'm saying, why? Why? Well, you would almost <laughs> think there's something intentional about it. You, you know me, yeah. you know I did. I was doing the better man thing, right? I was, I was developing programming for men just like this, right? And and people were like, well, isn't that what the justice system is for? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what, that's the biggest provider of mental health services for black men is, the, is our jail system. Like, straight up, that's not even a joke, right? Like, the jail behavioral health system is where most black men get mental health services from. Wow. Right? Like, it's houseway. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've <laughs> got to change that. We've got to create value for vulnerability. Yes. We've got to create value for sharing. That I, again, I ain't trying to pick apart what's going on in your life, but you got to be able to look at that stuff and be healthy enough to deal with it, mm -hmm. move it through it, put some of the stuff to the side, learn from some of it. And that's just not a thing the human brain does. It's not a flaw in men or people. 
You just you need to externalize it and talk about it and get it out. Yeah. And then make sense of it. Right. Right. How have you been able to maintain focus and endurance in an industry that requires so much from you mentally? Oh no, because it's not for me. Because mm. it's not it's not for me. Was well, Stokely Carmichael said, uh, I, I I can't I can't expect to be reinforced by a system I'm trying to destroy. Right, and so. The, the things I do ain't for me. It ain't, it ain't for glory. It ain't for like money in this world. It is. I'm going to continue to push things forward as best I can and fight this system and fight the way we address mental health yeah. and fight the way we neglect our hurt and pain in the black community. And if I don't necessarily need to, you know, I guess I won't get a parade for that. Yeah. But it's, it's work that needs to be done and it feels good. I create the value for my success. Mm. Right. Like my success isn't like because like dude, these dudes said it was great. It was because you know what? I feel good about the work I do. I put myself intentionally in where I've been, Chicago, Los Angeles, Atlanta, and Oakland. That's not coincidence. Right. That's not that wasn't random. Right. This is the work I do and I and I have created value for it. Right. And besides that work, I live what I do. Yeah. I try to create healthy systems. I try as best I have a child, you know, I try to be a good father, right? Mm-hmm. I have a girlfriend I live with, I have an ex-wife I try to be honorable with, right? Like, and so it is, my battle too is using the stuff that I learned from the world from my own life. Yes, yeah. A few more questions. What, um, may, what makes a leader great and iconic? I don't know, the, the, the thing I really value most about a leader someone who puts it on his shoulders and takes responsibility good or bad right uh i I think that that's what a leader is i think when things happen people stand by and point fingers they'd be like well that didn't happen and that didn't happen and this didn't happen right and i've i I never saw myself as a leader i just got tired of that happening Hmm. i just got tired of watching people complain about things not happening but well let me try it then yeah and if it go wrong i'm gonna own it Right. That's right? why so I, I think I think that's what makes a leader is taking responsibility is is uh, leading by example. Right. I think pe- people more than the person who is the loudest or the most aggressive. Right. I think what makes you iconic is that the people feel you, mm. feel where you coming from. Right. You're not just a leader, but they like, oh, okay. It's not just a strong man. It's not just the guy, the best orator. Or the person with the loudest voice. No, this person has shared who they are, their vulnerabilities, their true self, their struggles. And that said, they're not pro- professing to be an expert. They just in this position and gonna continue to lead until they're not on this earth no more. Like that to me, that's uh, more iconic than like someone who said, like, oh, you're just a leader, so we're gonna follow what you said. Right. Right. That makes sense. What leader do you look up to and admire? Like, uh, like somebody everyone knows? Like this needs to be like a yeah, so it, it, it could be a family member. It's, you know, this is for you. Uh, I mean, I definitely say my, my, my mother, right? I mean, I could say like I, I'm a huge fan of Malcolm X. Right, as a leader, as a his fearlessness, mm-hmm. his unabashed, and again, whether he was wrong or right or off this about this or you know, whatever, his fearlessness in how he approached what he thought was important, uh, was huge to me. But like at a real I didn't know him, right? So at a real life example, my mom. My my mom spoke up for what she what she believed in, right? Like she didn't back down from people, right? That there wasn't she go Again, we're from Southside Chicago. She go to any hood in Chicago and talk with people. Mm. And then it was Dr. Debbie Thomas. So she go to any, she's a teacher. So she go to any boardroom, any school system, any place in the country and be like, and also this is how we get down. Right. And also this was this is how you teach kids how to read. Right. And so that, that level of like, damn, she thinks she can do anything. Yeah. Like that, that to me was inspirational and made me naive enough to believe 
I can do anything I want to do. There ain't a thing on this earth that if I put my mind to it, I can do. Yeah. It's a great example to, um, and model to come yeah. up under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Final question. Mm-hmm. This is called the tabula rasa, which stands for a blank slate. Mm-hmm. So you have a, you're an artist and you have a blank canvas in front of you and you have all the colors you can possibly want to use to paint a picture. You're going to paint a picture of your life using the colors. Now you have created, or you have had an impact on men and the youth of color across the globe. You have changed their mental health and self-awareness to the highest level, not even happened in history, hasn't been achieved yet, right? You have mm-hmm. spoken, um, you've done several tours where you've spoken around the globe, your your practice is, is flourishing, it's is international, you are, you and your relationship has blossomed, your, your daughter, she's grown and she's successful. Everyone is in great health. You've accomplished everything that has been on your heart and in your mind. Now, coming back to this blank canvas, you're going to draw this picture or design this picture of your life moving forward. What colors do you use and what picture do you paint? What's the significance of the colors? Just what comes to your mind? What what comes to my mind is the uh, actually like the the black and white picture of uh, to pimp a butterfly mm. on Kendrick Lamar album mm-hmm. when like it's all the black people in front of the White House like hey! <laughs> <laughs> like that that's the image that comes to my mind right um, where I'm not even in the picture right mm. where I'm somewhere relaxing, loving, living, and other people are empowered. Black people are loving each other. It's brown faces. We outside, the sun is shining, and we just are living our best lives. Mm. Like that's, the, the picture don't even really, it's not me doing the thing. Got it. Like I'm, if it is, I'm off somewhere like on the side, on the beach somewhere, like living with my family, right? But the things we've created are sustainable and black people are out here, not just getting money, but living happy, well-adjusted lives where, at, and places where we're seen, where we're visible, we're not pushed off to the side. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the archetype or the picture that comes to my mind is that literally that the temple butterfly when they all like in front of the White House. <laughs> okay, okay. The significance of the colors to go back and answer that question is, you know, colors have meanings that are attached to it, right? They have... Or so they say they have their 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 base meanings. But then I think certain colors resonate with different individuals and people associate a thought or a feeling with their with colors. And it may so be the green of the grass and the yellow of the sun. If you want a color, it's that. So the butterfly was black and white. Correct. I want it to be color. So I, I do want I want bright okay. color. I want green grass. I right. And I want a yellow sun. Got it. Like that. that. If, if you want, if you need colors for me, I, I don't want it black and white because that's too. You don't want it. Okay. Yeah, I, I want it to be vivid and full of color. I want brown faces, black faces, yellow, yellow sun, mm-hmm. and green, green grass. It's a great picture, man. I think uh, one day you should try to try to paint that. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I like that idea. What you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, it's good, Courtney, man. I want to salute you and honor you for all the work that you have done, what you're currently doing and what you will do, man, and your your level of commitment to us as men. Uh, we need more people and examples like you that are dedicated to just improving how we are in this life. You know, as challenging as, as many obstacles that are um, ever present, we need to have this mental fortitude and we need to have i think like a community uh mental solidarity amongst men and make that the new cool because um that's the only way we're gonna we're gonna advance and it 
it's going to require people such as yourself. And so, man, I just I, I honor you and I thank you and love you as a brother, as a friend. Thank you for coming on. And uh, now I want to open a platform up for you to put your information out there so that people can find you if they want to utilize your services. If they're in the Bay, I don't know if you're doing Zoom calls now, um, taking on clients or, you know, just put it on out, out there. Well, first, I also want to thank you, right? Like, again, I've been doing what I do and not sure anybody's even paying attention half the time, right? And so it is uh, encouraging and inspiring for me as a, I'm a behavioral health professional, right? So when someone who's not a behavioral health professional opens up a space to have that conversation, it is inspiring. Mm. It feels good, right? If it, it feels like, oh, people care about this stuff. Oh, okay, well, that's awesome, <laughs> right? Uh, it's it's shocking sometimes. Oh. So I thank you for the opportunity and the forum to have these conversations. Yeah. And I it, it gives me hope that this is though it ain't a fire just yet that there are the embers are burning and we are building something. Yes. Right. When I see things like this pop up, people are like, hey, can you speak on this thing? I'm like, sure can. I'm on my mouth all day long. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh let's see. So you said my promoting the work I'm doing now, is that what you said? Well, just you can um put your information out so that people can get in touch with you or if they want to um you know tap in with you, use your services, how can they have access to you or have access to your your um your firm, your office? So my practice is Pathfinder Psychological Services Incorporated. Right. If you look, if you just Google Pathfinder Psychological Services. Uh, it'll pop up. I have offices in both Oakland and San Francisco, um, working with individuals and families, uh, kind of just dealing with stuff. But I, I think at this point in my career, I'm also trying doing more uh, contracting, mm -hmm. working with systems. So consulting with businesses who want to be able to have diversity, right? Like I also work for the Department of Public Health in San Francisco, working. That's where I work with the police and help them structure the collaborative police and mental health stuff. So I, I wanted, I'm open to doing more work. So if you hearing my voice and you have a company that wants to get better at crisis response or wants to figure out how to help mental health with the police, that's the work that I do. Uh, please go on my website. My email address is on there. My email address is Courtney Thomas PSYD, P-S-Y-D at gmail.com. Somebody wants to reach me. Uh, I do virtual services. I can operate anywhere in California or Georgia where I have a license. So whether you're in LA, San Diego, anywhere in between Oakland, right? Anywhere in California, I can provide virtual services. So please, if you know, if you need to just check in, I, I definitely uh, love creating that space and love doing the work that I do. Beautiful, beautiful. Any um, questions or statements or final words you want to? state or ask? Oh, no. I mean, again, I I just, I'm glad this space exists, right? I just want us to reshift. I want us to be better educated on what good behavioral health looks like, right? On what it looks like to be in a healthy place emotionally, psychologically, right? Not just financially. Yeah. Right? But I think that that is always my push. So, um, Anything I can do to get that message out, I am ever grateful to be able to do. And I hope that in the people that hear your show continue to understand that as well. That this is a process, right? You ain't crazy. The world around us is crazy. Yes. We're, we're trying to respond to a thing that's crazy, right? R racism is someone else's mental illness impact inflicted upon Black people, creating our own mental health problems. Yeah. And so it would be weird if you didn't need some help. It'd be bizarre if you didn't need a space to talk to somebody like that. That would be shocking to me. So right. please, there are people out there. I am not an anomaly. I am not any unique and special thing. There are plenty of black therapists out there. Go find you one. If you don't talk to me, go find you one to talk to, please. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Courtney Thomas.
For the longest time, I thought that emotions stem from a chemical response in the body that was triggered by thoughts. I now know better thanks to Courtney. Our thoughts are the key to our fulfillment and purpose. This will give us the right perspective to take charge and lead up. If you need mental health services, go to www.pathfinderpsychologicalservices.com or call 510-698-9311. Share this episode with people you care about and tag us on Instagram at leaduplifestyle. Help us improve the state of black businesses. To donate, go to the bottom of the Lead Up podcast description and click the support link. Thank you for listening. And as always, keep leading up.